Well, good morning. If you have your Bibles, I hope you do. Turn to Leviticus chapter 7. It's tucked away in there somewhere, trust me. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. As you're turning, I actually want to um, just encourage our parents, if you have kids that are in the service today, uh, they're not going to bother me if they're not going to bother you. So um, again, I'll just out-talk them with my microphone, and uh, we want to definitely encourage a family environment. Next Sunday, we believe we're going to be back to our normal children's services. Uh, the 9 o'clock hour will be back after that. So, uh, so please just bear with us as this time of uh, quarantine and just taking a step back for a couple weeks is, uh, is fulfilled for us. Leviticus chapter 7. Before I jump into this text, I want to read from Psalm 103, verse 22. And, and you don't have to turn there. This is the verse from our prayer calendar. In the month of November, our church has been uniting in an effort to pray of thankfulness to God for his blessings and the things that he has done, not only in our life here at TBC, but also just, uh, just what God's doing in our families and for us individually as well. In Psalm 103, verse 22, it says, Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. It's really interesting. Um, in Hebrew, we'll talk about this a little bit in Leviticus 7, there's not really a, a solitary word for thanks in Hebrew. Uh, it doesn't function the way that our English word thanks does. And probably the closest equivalent we can come to that in our Bibles is the word of blessing. Uh, to give blessing to another person or to receive a blessing from God is probably the closest thing that we're going to come to our English understanding of thanks in the Bible. So I want to encourage you again, uh, grab one of those prayer calendars in our, our foyer and join with TBC in uniting in the effort to prayer. And I thank, thank the Lord for our prayer team that's just doing a great job with that. All right. You guys found Leviticus chapter 7? So, um, this, we're going to take a break, obviously, this week from Ecclesiastes, and um, before I begin, let me, uh, let me start with a word of prayer again. Father in heaven, we just thank you so much for who you are. God, we thank you for the many, many blessings that you have given to us in Christ, just by knowing you and the truth of the gospel. Lord, I pray that as we uh, take this next week, especially the end of the week, and celebrate a time of thanksgiving with our families, that our hearts would be just bent toward you and your goodness to us, God. We thank you for your control over all situations. Um, thank you for your kindness and your mercy. Lord, your mercies that are new every single morning. Help us to, uh, to just have a, a really great season of rest this week as we approach Thanksgiving holiday and our Christmas season. Lord, draw us together in unity. Help us to Help us to focus on all of the reasons that we do have to be thankful in the blessings that we have because of who you are in the truth of the gospel. We ask now for the, the next hour as we look into your word that you would help our minds to be attentive to your truth, Lord, and, and help our lives to be adjusted accordingly because of it. We ask all these things to, the, to you, Father, through the Son and by the Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, a few years ago, an article came, article came out in Forbes magazine, and it was entitled, Why Americans Aren't Likely to Be Thankful This Thanksgiving. Why Americans Aren't Likely to Be Thankful This Thanksgiving. It was based on a Harris poll, and they concluded many things. I want to just give you a few statistics that this, this poll came out with. 
Three in five Americans would rather do something else rather than talk about why they are thankful with their families during Thanksgiving. And here's what takes precedence according to the American populace. Football, watching football games is much more important. Streaming media, reading a book, or playing with a pet all takes priority over being thankful during Thanksgiving. 12% of people would rather spend time on their smartphones, just in general, than even with their family at all during the holidays. And one out of five confess that they are more thankful for material possessions than anything else that they have in their life. And in response and conclusion, the writer of this article gave this quote. He said, gratitude is a superpower. Grateful people enjoy improved physical and emotional health, better relationships, and longer lifespans just by being thankful. Perhaps one of the reasons that we are not likely to be thankful at Thanksgiving is, is this sentence that came out. Ed Welch wrote a, a really great book, and, and we're just going to play a little game of, of fill in the blank here. All right. How would you complete this sentence? During this year, I need blank, or I long for blank. Could it be more accurately phrased, I want this, love, security, significance, power. And so now, instead of uh, just desiring or, or wanting, it's I have to, I demand blank. I insist on this, and I can't functionally live without Every Thanksgiving, it seems uh, a major uh, premise of pastors and churches is to help people to distinguish between wants and needs in the body of Christ. Ed Welch says, says this in the same book. He says, the main reason why we have an epidemic of emptiness, and I, I love that phrase there, the main reason why we have an epidemic of emptiness is that we have created and multiplied our needs, not God. To look to Christ to meet our perceived psychological needs is to Christianize our lusts. Let's look at an obscure passage in Leviticus chapter 7 this morning in your Bibles. I hope you found it by now. And I want to ask three questions as we work through this text and just take a, a, a break from Ecclesiastes during our season of Thanksgiving. First question is this. Why is Thanksgiving so hard for us individually? Why is giving thanks so hard individually? Why is it so important corporately? And then finally, number three, what does it mean to give thanks theologically? Why is it so hard for us individually? Why is it so important corporately? And then finally, what does it mean for us theologically? G.K. Chesterton has a great thought. He says, when it comes to life, the critical thing is whether you take things for granted or take things with gratitude. When it comes to life, the critical thing is whether you take things for granted or take them with gratitude. Why is it, why is it so hard for us to be thankful individually? Number one in your text. Um, Israel's sacrificial system, just before we jump into the text here, we're going to read a lot about how to perform a sacrifice, right? Israel's sacrificial system was built on five main sacrifices. Leviticus 1 through 6 covers all of them. 
Leviticus chapter one, the mother of all sacrifices, the one that basically prescribes and sets the tone for all the rest, the one that everything else is built upon is called the burnt offering. Your text might say the the whole burnt offering because the distinguishing feature of the burnt offering is that all of it was sacrificed to God. There was nothing left that you kept to eat or do anything else with. All, the whole sacrifice completely was, was given on the altar and burned to God. The second, Leviticus chapter two, will talk about the grain offering. Then it'll talk about the peace offering in Leviticus chapter three. I'm sorry, I think I had a slide for this. The peace offering is what we're going to talk about today. It's a, the thank offering is, is a kind, it's a type of peace offering. Number four, you've got the sin offering, and this is where you hear the terms atonement and forgiveness the most in the Old Testament when it comes to a specific offering. They're talking about the sin offering. And then number five, you've got a guilt offering in Leviticus 5, verse 14 through chapter 6, verse 7. The thank offering, what we're talking about today, again, it's, it's going to be a number three in the, the peace offering category in Leviticus chapter 3. We look at it in chapter seven because it's expanded. There's certain types of peace offerings that are fleshed out for the community, and we're gonna read about that in Leviticus chapter seven. There's, also, there's actually three types of peace offerings. There's a thanksgiving offering that you can give to God, a votive offering, one that you would make after you have given a vow and fulfilled that vow to God, and then finally you have a free will offering, all of them are under this category of peace offering, and this is where Leviticus 7 comes in, okay? So look down at your text at verse 11, and I'm going to read down through verse 15. Buckle your seats. This is, in, this is I promise you, it's inspired text, all right? Be super thankful for Leviticus 7 at the end of the day here. Leviticus 7, verse 11. And this is the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings that one may offer to the Lord, If he offers it for a thanksgiving, then he shall offer with the thanksgiving sacrifice unleavened loaves mixed with oil, unleavened wafers smeared with oil, and the loaves of fine flour well mixed with oil. Verse 13. With the sacrifice of his peace offerings for thanksgiving, he shall bring his offering with loaves of leavened bread. And from it he shall offer one loaf from each offering as a gift to the Lord. It shall belong to the priest who throws the blood of the peace offerings. What they're talking about there is at the base of the altar. Verse 15, finally. And the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offerings for thanksgiving shall be eaten on the day of his offering. He shall not leave any of the flesh until the morning. Really interesting text. The first thing that we find out about a peace offering is that one element of it is for thanksgiving for giving thanks to God. Verse 11, this is the law of the sacrifice of the peace offerings. May offer it to the Lord if he offers it for a thanksgiving. And it's a thanksgiving sacrifice. Now, the Hebrew word for thanksgiving is todah. It's related to a root word yada. In Hebrew, that's different than the Greek. But the root word actually of todah, it means to acknowledge or to confess. And there's three ways that this word for thanksgiving is actually used in the Old Testament. First, it's used, probably the very first thing that comes to mind for you when you think about it is acknowledgement or confession of sin. This would be like Psalm 51, um, against you and you alone 
Have I done what was sinful in your eyes, O God, when David confesses a sin with Bathsheba? The second way that this thanksgiving is used in the Old Testament is a confession of God's works or his attributes. Right, so we would say, uh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. One of the attributes of God is his goodness. And we give thanks because of that. That's one way that this word is used. And finally, it can be used as a, a man would compliment another man or, or praise another man. It's not really accurate to say praise there, but as he compliments another person. The Hebrew verb to thank is much closer to our concept of praise and confession than what we typically think of, of just saying a thank you to God verbally. It's interesting, again, there is no solitary word thank you in Hebrew that how we use it in our English as there is in Hebrew. Giving thanks starts with a much basic, more basic concept of praising God and acknowledging that God is a good God and acknowledging and confessing his attributes back to him and also to the other people around, it, around him, around you. Not only do we thank God, but we praise him because we are fearfully and wonderfully made. The whole concept of thanks has to be driven deeper to this idea of praise and worship to God. One reason that thanking God is so hard for us individually is because it's rooted in worship. And the core of giving thanks to God is giving praise to somebody else, doing for what you, what you cannot do for yourself. The second you shift your thoughts from simply saying thanks to God to praise, you have, meant, you have moved from a kind thing that we say with our mouths to a deeper posture of worship that we take with our hearts. It's easy for us to say thanks. It is difficult for us to praise and to always worship God and God alone. It is easy for us to thank God and still be self-centered. It is difficult for us to praise God and remain Christ-centered. Verse 12 talks about the difficulty of giving thanks. If he offers it for a thanksgiving, then he shall offer the thanksgiving sacrifice, right? Alan Ross points this out. It costs people to praise God. It costs God the most for people to praise God, but it is a costly endeavor. You couldn't just bring a sacrifice when you thanked God. The sacrifice was the way that you got into the temple. The sacrifice was there was one way in the temple, there was one way out, but you couldn't just bring a sacrifice you also, in a thanksgiving offering, it included three additional items, okay? So look down at verse 12. Not only do you bring your thanksgiving offering, but you bring unleavened loaves mixed with oil, unleavened wafers smeared with oil, and loaves of fine flour that are mixed well with oil. One commentator put, this, put it this way. In addition of these three elements, or the, the addition, excuse me, of these three elements assumed the immensity of their personal thanksgiving to God. All of these things were added to the sacrifice to talk about just how thankful and the immensity of their hearts, how thankful they were to God. I don't know if any of you guys are keeping up with all the, the Harry Potter saga novels and movies that came out. I don't necessarily recommend them to you, but because they're so popular, most people understand this illustration I'm about to give. Do you remember the uh, Mirror of Erised? 
in Harry Potter. The Mirror of Erised, it's, these are children's novels. Uh, Erised backwards is the word desire. So it's the Mirror of Desire. One of the very first books, Harry is, uh, he's an orphan, of course, and he comes across this giant mirror of Erised. And the second that he looks into this mirror, he's gonna get his deepest longings, his deepest desires. And so the first thing that he sees when he looks into the mirror is his parents. He he's, doesn't even know what they would look like at that point in time, and so he asks them, are, are you my father? Are you my mother? And it's just this heart-wrenching scene of a deep longing and a de- desire that he had that was revealed through this mirror of Erised. And, and anybody who looked in that mirror, would, it would reveal, the reflection would reveal their deepest desires ultimately fulfilled. And so people would sit in front of the mirror of Erised for a long, long time, and, and in fact, Harry comes back to that mirror over and over again to experience, to speak with, and to see his parents. Right. But then one of Harry's mentors comes along, and he tells him, you can't sit before the mirror of your desires forever. It's not healthy for you to do so. And in fact, he says this, this mirror gives neither knowledge or truth, and men have wasted away in front of it. They have even gone mad looking for their deepest desires. And so, so let me just ask this question as you think about this in terms of our thankfulness before God. Are you thankful? Are you always in a posture of praise before God even when you don't get what you desire? Even when you don't get what you want? Is your heart still thankful? Why don't you skip down it and look at verse 15 again. And the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offerings. I want, just pay really special close attention to the flesh of the sacrifice. If you have a highlighter, you underline in your Bible, circle that word, the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offerings for thanksgiving shall be eaten on the day of his offering. That is unique to the peace offering. Why is that? Why do you eat the flesh of the offering? He shall not leave any of it, in fact, until the morning. Um, Several commentaries have, have suggested why. Why is the flesh of the offering so important? Why do you eat it? Why do you leave nothing left until the morning? And one of the best commentaries I've found on this, it's uh, Jacob Milgram's Leviticus Commentary Yale series and also in the Apollos Commentary, it says the very same thing. It said this, eating the flesh of the animal symbolized the death of the egocentric nature in the worshiper. So when you ate the flesh and you left nothing of it until the morning, it symbolized the death of your ego the death of your pride, the death of your self-centeredness, your self-gratification, your wants and your desires. And not leaving any of it until the next morning showed the strong reluctance of the ego not to be completely annihilated because of our sin. We give thanks and we, we celebrate thanks and we praise God with thanks because our ego, our self-centered nature is being annihilated before him for a nature that is rooted in Christ and in God instead, where finally we can think of other people as more important than ourselves. And we can think of God as the most important element, that no matter what our desires are, nothing, nothing in our life can be desired more than God. He takes the priority of place in our life, in our desires, our affections, our needs, and our longings. 
And that's what's at the root of the thanksgiving offering. If you're going to give thanks this thanksgiving, what does that mean for you personally? It means death to self. Your wants, your felt needs, your psychological needs, your emotional wants. You put those to the side and you give thanks to God for who he is, right? And that whole death to self thing is, is kind of like um, take up your cross daily, deny yourself. Jesus and says a lot about that in the Gospels. This is almost the heart of what the Gospel really is, trust in Christ. Why is it so hard for us to give thanks individually? Because at our core, we all want what we want. And dying to those things is extremely difficult. But that's what God asks us to do. And that's what produces thankfulness in our hearts. Number two, why is it so important corporately? Why is it so difficult individually? Why is this so important corporately? Now, scholars analyze the offerings and, and ritual, uh, rituals of the peace offerings, and there's general consensus on the things that I'm about to tell you on what distinguishes the peace offering and the thanks offering from every other offering that was made in the temple. First, the worshiper, when, when they came to bring this offering to God, to the tabernacle or to the temple, the worshiper had to bring the sacrifice with him. Again, remember, there's one way in and there's one way out of the tabernacle precinct. The altar itself is in the courtyard. People would come and go with their sacrifices on a normal basis. You couldn't go into the Holy of Holies but once a year on the Day of Atonement. But to the courtyard, sacrifices were made on a daily basis. Three times a year, major sacrifices, major feasts were made in Israel. The thank offering would come with the worshiper, and the worshiper himself would slaughter the animal. This is, you don't just pass over your sacrifice to the, to the priest. The worshiper himself would slaughter the animal. It would be the priest who would catch the blood. Okay, I, every time I talk about blood, I get a little woozy, so if I pass out up here, just somebody come and revive me, it'll be it'll okay. The priest himself catches the blood, and he, and he splatters it on the base of the altar around it. And that's how the sacrifice would take place. It's thought that with the dead animal on the altar, that was the time when the worshiper would publicly proclaim his thanks to God through a personal testimony. Okay, so with the dead, with the dead animal on the altar, the priest sprinkles the blood on the base, the worshiper then turns and he walks around the courtyard and he proclaims his testimony of what God has done and why he is so thankful in that specific instance. Everyone, everyone in the community would know exactly why Mark Nunley is thankful when he makes his sacrifice. Everybody would know exactly why Joe is thankful because he is going to publicly proclaim it as the sacrifice is laying there. And on top of that, there were certain Levites who served in the temple as musicians. And so the sacrifice was made. There's a testimony of thanks that's given. And then the Levites come and they, they supplement the sacrifice of thanksgiving with song and with cheer and with delight. So a song of praise and thanks was sung after the testimony of the individual. I want you to listen, or uh, yeah, listen to this verse in, in Psalm 22, verse 22 and 23. This is a, 
a depiction of a thanksgiving offering, what a worshiper would say. I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him. Again, the sacrifice is on the altar. The testimony of thanks is given. It is accompanied by a song of praise, now with the priests all participating in that. But it's important to know the most distinguishing characteristic of the peace offering, which was also, in this context, a thank offering. And the most distinguishing characteristic is that the whole congregation is involved in this. The thank offering is not an individual thing that you did. It is the whole congregation caught up in a part of giving thanks. And they would feast together, and they would actually eat part of the sacrifice together. And so the animal that they brought to sacrifice, if you, if you brought a bull to be sacrificed for a Thanksgiving offering, part of it goes to God, part of it goes to the priest, but the rest of that whole bull goes to the community of Israel to celebrate why Jean Ao is thankful. We're gonna eat and we're gonna celebrate this together. We're gonna share a table to talk about why we are so thankful for what God has done. But not all of it was eaten. Part of it was, was taken out of the sacrifice. This is what we read about uh, down in verse 22. Leviticus 7, verse 22. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, You shall eat no fat of ox or sheep or goat. You chew in the fat. Have you ever heard of this phrase before? It is really, really good. So to not eat the fat of the sacrifice is it's kind of like a cruel joke that God is playing on them, right? Fat's like, am I the only one that thinks the fat's the best part? It is, it's good, right? Speak to the people of Israel, saying, you shall eat no fat of ox or sheep or goat. The fat of an animal that dies of itself and the fat of the one that is torn by beasts may be put to any other use, but on no account shall you eat the fat. Verse 25, for every person who eats the fat of an animal of which a food offering may be made to the Lord shall be cut off from his people. What's the, what's the big deal about the fat, man? This is crazy. Y'all like steak? Y'all know your cuts of steak? Got your filets, the filet mignon. Got your T-bones. You got your chuck roasts. You know what my favorite cut of steak is, right? Ribeye's ribeye pretty close. That's coming. Just hang on to that one. It's the top sirloin is the best cut of steak. You guys ever had this before? It's like, it's a little bit bigger than a filet. It's the perfect size. The reason why I love the top sirloin is because usually on the left edge of it is this little strip of fat. And you can cut the meat with the fat on it and put it it together. Guys, it is so good. Forget about turkey this Thanksgiving. Top sirloin is what you want to have and, and what you want to eat because it is, it is so good. Um, there's not agreement wholeheartedly on this uh, with scholars, but most people suggest that the fat is the best part of the animal. It's the best part of the sacrifice. 
So the worshiper couldn't eat and partake of the best part. The best part of the sacrifice was in fact given to God instead. Skip down to verse 30. His own hands, now speaking of the worshiper, shall bring the Lord's food offering. He shall bring the fat with the breast, and the breast may be waved as a wave offering before the Lord. The priest shall burn the fat on the altar, but the breast shall be for Aaron and his sons. There's a lot of interesting statements being made in this context, right? One of the, one of the first interesting statements is his own hand shall bring the Lord's food offering. This is not the action of the priests. These are the actions of the worshiper. And the person making the sacrifice, his own hands carry over the best of it, puts it on the altar to, to be sacrificed specially for God. This phrase depicts the faithful willingness of a costly sacrifice that is given over in praise and thanksgiving to God. It is different when you say, hey, go over and get that yourself and bring it here versus somebody doing it for you. And that's going to wrench on the heart of the worshiper. This is the best part of the sacrifice, sacrifice, and I'm giving it over to God. But there's more than that. He shall bring the fat. Remember, that's the best part. With the breast, in verse 30. Ribeye. Who said it? Prime rib. If you want to eat the best part, the prime rib or the ribeye, guess what? That goes to this guy, the priest, instead, out of honor for the person who makes atonement and meets and mediates between you and God. The best is going to go to the priest instead. In fact, the worshiper waves that before God. Here is the best part of the sacrifice, and then he brings it over to the priests, and it's given to him and to his family. One of the, the choicest cuts of an animal is the prime rib, is the ribeye. The right thigh, verse 31, also goes on to talk about the right thigh that is given to Aaron and his sons as being another piece of meat that is uh, a choice cut. Everything in verse 30 and 31 in Leviticus 7 points to the inner life of the worshiper and how the sacrifice hits the heart. His own hands bring it in willingness. It's the best of the sacrifice. The, the fat indicates the best part, that's given to God. The breast indicate the choicest cut, that's given to the priest, which in turn is given to God. To give thanks to God is costly, it is painful, and it cuts to the heart. It is not something that we typically do in willingness. It is something we do out of faith and faithfulness to God. After the testimony was heard and the, the songs were sung, now it's feast time, and the whole community would partake of eating this celebration with the worshiper, willing sacrifice of thanks to God. Let me ask you a question. Does God value when a person and a worshiper dies to self and puts their own egocentric nature to the side in order to worship him more fully and completely? Does God value it when we do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than ourselves? This is the heart, the removal of self, self-esteem, self-gratification, self-concern. This is the heart of the peace offering, and this is the heart of what we celebrate at Thanksgiving. When we eat together, we have a fellowship and we have a peace with God because he himself determines and ordains that death to self is glorifying 
to him. That him at the center is a celebration and a cause for a feast rather than us at the center. A church that is thankful is a church that is selfless. A church that is selfless is a church that is praising God and acknowledging and confessing his goodness and his grace. Why is it so hard to do this individually? Because it's at, self is at the core of all sin. That's why it's so hard to give thanks. Why is it so important corporately? Because God gets glory when we think of other people more than we think of ourselves. And when we have him at the center more than we have ourselves at the center of our life. Number three, what does this mean? What does this mean theologically? All right. At the core of the Thanksgiving offering is, is peace with God. And the Bible talks about peace in two ways. And I, I love the songs that we sang this morning. Brandy, you guys picked out some great songs. There is peace of God that we can have as believers, and there is peace with God that we have as we become believers in a right relationship with God. The peace of God can only be experienced after we have peace with God. And we can never have peace with God without him first making that peace for us and allowing that to happen. The thank offering was made in Israel only after a sin offering was made to atone and grant forgiveness for sin. The thank offering, you didn't come to God apart from another offering before the thank offering, which was the sin offering. And there was burnt offerings that were offered daily in the temple that allowed the thanksgiving offering to be made by a worshiper in the first place. Worshippers give thanks to God as a reflection of their peace with God. And it is something that he gives to us not something that we work to to get that peace. And this is how the gospel is distinct. Even in the Old Testament, this is how the gospel is distinct from every other religion and every other philosophy of how people get to an all-knowing, all-powerful God. Religion says, give thanks and live right in order to get peace with God. The gospel says, give thanks because you already are at peace with God through Christ. Religion says, do this. Make a sacrifice and earn your way to God. The gospel in Jesus says, you can't do this. I have done it for you, and I am now your peace between you, a sinner, and a perfectly just and righteous Father who is God. Thank offerings were free will offerings. They were spontaneous. There was nothing in the, in the religious calendar of Israel that demanded the worshiper make a thank offering. It was out of spontaneity and the thankfulness of a person's heart. Thank offerings were not demanded in the Old Testament as much as they were described. They were not forced as much as they were a free, willing sacrifice. But they always sprang out of an overflow of the worshiper's heart in thanksgiving because of what God has done for them. I want you to turn, you can uh, leave your place in Leviticus here. Turn to Psalm chapter 69. This is the last verse of scripture we'll look at. Psalm 69, I want you to skip down to verse 30. And again, probably Psalm 69, another depiction of a song that was sung after a thank offering. Psalm 69, verse 30. It says, I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. 
And this, speaking of the song, this will please the Lord more than ox or bull with horns and hoofs. Do you catch that? The sacrifice is not the most important part of the offering. The heart is the most important part. The avenue to the heart is not through the motions, but it's actually through humility. Look down at verse 32. With the humble, when the humble see it, they will be glad. You who seek God, let your hearts revive. The thank offering is is an overflow of a humble heart before God because there is no other way that sinners can approach God besides through brokenness and humility. A broken and a contrite heart you will not despise. Here's why the thank offering is so important and here's why thanksgiving is so important for Christians. At the heart of thankfulness to God is somebody who is humble and broken before the Lord. We don't come to him because we have something that we're giving to earn a right relationship with God. We come to God in thanks because he has already made peace for us. In the truth of the gospel, Jesus is that peace for us. All that's left for us to do is to humble our hearts and to repent and to change our minds concerning the way that we have been living our life and the way that God wants us to live our life with him at the center instead at the heart of the thanksgiving offering is death to self, repentance, and faith in God for who he is. This is the way that we have peace with God. Nothing in our hands we bring simply to the cross we cling. This is the thanksgiving offering, and this is why it is so important theologically and for us corporately as a family to be a family and a a church that is constantly, regularly, and intentionally and strategically thankful before God in our worships, in our, in our services, and in the, in the life of our community. Let me give a close with just a couple points of application. Number one, in a healthy church, thanksgiving is not optional, it's critical. For a local church, thanksgiving is not optional. It is critical. In the Old Testament, the thanksgiving offering is categorized with offerings for a vow and a free will offering. These offerings were not demanded, okay, but they were described. And what's interesting is that Psalm 122, verse 4, puts all of the offerings, all of the times that you would approach the altar to God, in the umbrella of thanksgiving. If you look at uh, Psalm 122, verse 4, you might just want to make a reference to it. I don't have it for you. Psalm 122, verse 4. To Jerusalem which the tribes go, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for them to give thanks in the name of the Lord. Psalm 122 is an ascent psalm. The people would, would sing it as they approached Jerusalem on their pr- pilgrimages three times a year. And they approached for one reason, to give thanks in the name of the Lord. Every time they celebrated their main feasts, Every time they went to the altar, every time they went to the special presence of God, to the temple, the purpose was to give thanks. To give thanks to God and to celebrate that as a community with a feast. When we get to the New Testament, thanksgiving is not relegated to a sacrifice that is a yearly feast or every so often. Thanksgiving is commanded always. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 18, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God, the Apostle Paul says. 
Thanksgiving and thankfulness should mark a Christian just as much as God's will should mark our decisions and our choices on a daily basis. In a healthy church, thanksgiving is not optional. It is critical. Number two, giving thanks is not just words spoken in prayer, but it is a posture that reveals who we worship. Giving thanks is not just words spoken in a prayer, it is a posture. It is how we live on a daily basis before a holy God. Thanksgiving is a litmus test of at least two things in Scripture. Number one, Thanksgiving reveals what we truly think about the gospel. Number two, Thanksgiving reveals what we truly think about God's people and the community of faith that we are surrounded with. Thanksgiving offerings were made out of the overflow of a heart. Giving thanks was never what you did to earn a right standing with God. Giving thanks is what you did because you had a right standing with God. And in the Old Testament, God is the primary recipient of thanks because he is the only recipient of praise. That is what is at the heart of giving thanks, is praise to God. A life marked by thanksgiving is a life marked by the gospel and the blessings of the gospel and our gratitude of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. But thanksgiving reveals what we really believe about the church as well. Listen, um, an ideal picture of worship for us is not us tucked away in our study individually reading God's word, although that is an extremely important part of worshiping God. The ideal picture of worship is us all coming together corporately. I truly, truly believe that God's greatest work of transformation is not done on an individual basis. It is always seems to be done on a corporate basis with the community, with our faith family. All Christian worship is building to a corporate worship at the end of all times when we will celebrate together a wedding feast with God. When people give thanks collectively, they celebrate the routine mortification of self in sin that resides within our heart because of the sin nature. We acknowledge that self-centeredness must be replaced by God-centeredness that honors him, not the self, and thinks of other people, not ourselves. The best way to carry that out, God says, is in a family context. It is corporately. Giving thanks reveals a heart that values God's people. Giving thanks reveals a heart that values life together. Giving thanks reveals an understanding that that is really, really hard to do as a church sometimes, but it is a blessing to live your life outside of yourself and think about other people instead. This year at Thanksgiving, I want us all to do something as a, as a church at TBC. No matter what you're doing with your families, no matter how this looks at the holiday season for you, I want you just to slow down, and I want you to think about other people, and think about the blessings of the gospel, but I really want you to think about this church family as well. And not only that we are blessed to have each other in the relationships in the body of Christ, but we should be extremely thankful for those relationships on a normal basis. It costs. It's hard to do that individually, but that's what God says we should do corporately. Let's pray.
Father in heaven, thank you again for uh, your goodness, Lord, and um, yeah, we just take time as a church now to repent of the ways that we have been self-centered and thinking even in my own heart, there are times that I can easily creep into a self-centeredness that damages relationships in your reputation. God, I pray that you would uh, forgive us of those things, help us to acknowledge and confess them, and Lord, help us to celebrate with a thankful heart. Let thankfulness this season be the undergirding influence and the strengthening of this body right here at TBC in our personal families. Let our, let our lives be marked and caught up with a thankful heart. Help us be conscious of the ways that the world is drawing, away, drawing us away from that and to pursue you with a heart that is thankful. God, we ask all these things to you, Father, through the Son and by the Spirit, for you three are the one true God, and there is no God besides you. Amen. Amen. Guys, have a wonderful Thanksgiving week. I hope your time with family and travel is good if you are traveling. Again, next Sunday, we are planning on being right back here as a, as a normal Sunday, picking back up, hopefully until the end of the year. And so uh, watch your emails for any other communication if anything else would happen. But we're looking forward to that. And, uh, and again, have a great rest of your weekend and rest of your Sunday. Thanks.